0: Bibles, if you will, this morning. John's Gospel, chapter number 18. John, chapter number 18. Bless you, Miss Abby. You doing all right there? (laughs) John, chapter number 18. We have been going through John's Gospel for quite some time now, probably well over a year. And uh, hopefully you've learned a few things, picked up a few things along the way, if I encourage you. Looking at the sevens we find in this book, from miracles to the I Ams to the seven conversations with the ladies, the seven witnesses, and now seven men, there are seven disciples we may venture into those seven while they're there. Uh, so we uh, have looked at all these things. We are looking at seven men that are mentioned by name in John's Gospel. We have saw uh, John the Baptist, Nicodemus, Lazarus, and then last, two weeks ago, we didn't do this last week because of Anniversary Sunday, but uh, Annas and Caiaphas, we combined those two which gave us uh, number four and five. Today we look at number six, the sixth man mentioned. And we're going to do it a little differently because this man we spent a little time on looking at his words. When we looked at the seven witnesses, Pontius Pilate was a witness for Jesus Christ, even though he didn't know it. And even though he was a lost man, uh, he witnessed for Christ even, and, and, and proclaimed it. We looked at the seven or eight questions that uh, Pontius Pilate Question the Lord Jesus Christ with, and I don't want to go over the same ground, but I want to take a little different angle as we come to Pontius Pilate. And so we spent some time praying and struggling, trying to with the Lord, trying to get what the Lord had for us. And I think the Lord gave us something to be a help to you, something that all of us have to deal with in our life. If we're not, we think it's just a young person thing, but it's not just a young person thing. All your life, you'll deal with this, and we'll. See so What are you talking about? We'll make it plain in just a minute. But in John chapter number 18 and verse number uh, 28, our Bible says, Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas unto the hall of judgment, and it was early, and they themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled. <laughs> Isn't that wonderful, by the way? They're they're condemning an innocent man, but they don't want to defile themselves <laughs> by going into a place where Gentiles hang out. That's That's religion for you. Verse 29, Pilate then went out unto them and said, What accusation bring ye against this man? And they answered and said unto him, If he were not a malefactor, we would not deliver him up unto thee. That's a non-answer, by the way. What's the accusation? Well, if he wasn't guilty, we wouldn't be here. You didn't answer my question. Always be careful, by the way, of the non-answers you get in life. You ought to pay attention to them. There's something being hidden. Verse 31, Then said Pilate unto him, Take ye him, and judge him according to your law. The Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. Again, that's a disgusting reply. We're not going to be responsible for killing anybody, but uh, we'll, we'll make you responsible for it. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake, signifying what death he should die. Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus answers, Sayest thou this? Thing of thyself or did others tell it of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should be delivered to the not be delivered unto the Jews, but but now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king, to this end was I born, for this cause came I into the world, that I should be a fair witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth, heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find no fault uh, at all, but he have a custom, that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then they cried, they all again saying, not this man but barabbas now barabbas was a robber father bless the time bless the hour now thank you for all that's been done the songs that have been sung and and, uh, the specials the young people the children now next door and downstairs lord and we are here we need the spirit of god to work in all these places to move in hearts and lives and that we may uh, as we learned in sunday school look for a city whose builder and maker is God, to remind us, Lord, that we are nothing but pilgrims and strangers passing through a land that doesn't belong to us. But, Lord, as we're here, help us to be a witness, to be Christ-like, and to draw closer to you. Help us to learn from this wicked, despicable man known as Pontius Pilate the lessons, Lord, you have for us here that we may be uh, warned and encouraged. We ask and we pray these things in Jesus' name, Amen. There's a lot to unpack here and much to say, and I and I and I I thought about this this week as I was thinking about Pontius Pilate. When we think of there's not a person on planet Earth who's familiar with Christianity who was who's not familiar with Pontius Pilate. Anybody who has studied religions has heard the name Pontius Pilate. We have been inundated with that name. We know all about this man. We have heard him, he's recorded in all four gospels. But I want you to think about something that Pontius Pilate steps onto the world stage for about four hours and then he disappears. So when we meet him in scriptures, there's about a four hour window. <laughs> and for the last 2,000 years, the world has come to know this man and not like him. But four hours is all he got amazing how your life can change in a minute. You can be a star athlete, be a great player, and one lousy play, one mistake on a ball field, no matter what sport it may be, and for the rest of your life, you'll be known as the guy who made that one mistake. I can think of several players right now, just off the top of my head, whose, whose names are synonymous with, with failure. And sad to say, they were not failures. They were great athletes. But one little play. One mistake marred their life. Pontius Pilate had didn't have one minute; he had four hours of his life to meet and confront face to face with Jesus Christ. And Pontius Pilate, in that four-hour window, uh, fumbled it all and messed it all up. When we think about Pontius Pilate, and, and there are several statements that come to mind in Matthew's gospel. He makes this phrase, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? Now you think about that statement. What shall I do? And that's the question, by the way, that all men have to ask themselves. All of humanity has to ask themselves, What shall I do with Jesus, which is called the Christ? And the answer is either I will accept him or I will reject him. Those are the only two answers you have. And either you accept him as Savior or you reject him. And Pontius Pilate sadly rejected him, and, and he wasn't thinking salvation. His thing is, do I set him free, or do I condemn him to death? Even his wife's message as he sat at the judgment seat, where his wife told him, uh, don't have anything to do with this man, I've had some terrible dreams about them, and that conjures up some thoughts, does it not? What, if his wife was having these dreams, where'd she get her dreams from? Were they just from her own conscience that was bearing witness of Christ, or... Or were these dreams from some other source? It's a good question. We don't really have an answer to it, but it's Pontius Pilate. By the way, uh, the Bible says, we read this morning, he that findeth a wife findeth what? A good thing. Some of you guys ought to get on your knees and pray for God to give you a good thing. First of all, you ought to be make sure you're a good thing yourself. And if God gave you a good thing, be thankful for it and, and, and treat it like a good thing. Now... Uh, God gave a wife to all mankind, not just to Christians. But He gave a wife to be a helpmeet. Sometimes a wife may come alongside, and say, "Listen, don't do that, or don't go there, and have some wisdom, because that you're not seeing the angle of it." Pontius Pilate, his wife may have not have been all that, but she did have some wisdom this moment in time. And don't have anything. To get rid of this situation. You are you know, they're dragging you into a bad place, and they these these people. And here's the key: we're going here. These people are dragging you somewhere where you, you don't need to be going. Get rid of this. But he didn't listen to his own wife, and he continued to deal with this situation until he finally made the decision to have Christ crucified. So always be careful with that. When we think about Pontius Pilate, now Pilate didn't have a wealthy upbringing. He was a, really of a middle-class family. He served in the Roman army in the area back then that we know as modern Germany. Remember, Europe was known by different the, the Celtic countries and and uh, and other places, but uh, Rome had conquered it under Caesar, and uh, and he Pontius Pilate served in the army in that in that in that that part of the world. Uh, while he was in Rome, he caught the affections of a young Roman girl who was of a high-ranking social family and. And her name was Claudia, I may mispronounce her last name, but Claudia Proculia, P-R-O-C-U-L-A. And uh, the illegitimate daughter of Claudia, who was the third wife of Emperor Tiberius, and that made her the granddaughter of Caesar Augustus. So he did have some ranking here with his family. And because of this connection with the man at the top, Pilate was given a position that he never would have had any other way. Isn't it funny? Even back in Bible days in Roman times, that men got positions not because of what they knew, but because of who they knew. That still works, by the way. I, many a person gets a job not because of their brain power. I, I've known politicians in this town all my life, and their sons and, and daughters ended up in places with. It's like, how in the world did they get that job? They're making. I remember one guy's making fifty dollars an hour back in nineteen eighty four. I'm making. Twelve dollars. He's making fifty dollars. He was, and it's like, how do do you get in that place? And they say you got to know people to get in to get to that place. So Pontius Pilate gets his job again, not because of his brains and his and his, no, his wife. It was a political appointment, and so he had this position. And uh, I'll skip over a lot of the details here, but uh, in Luke chapter number three, in verse number one tells us that Pilate was governor when John the Baptist began his ministry. In Luke chapter 3, it says, Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius, Caesar Pontius Pilate began governor of Judah, and Herod being tetriarch of Galilee, and his brother Philip tetriarch of Ituria and, and the regions of Traconis and, and of Licinius, and the tetriarch of Abilene. Now God gives us all this information, not just so that we have information, but so that we can pinpoint and we know exactly what's going on. Pontius Pilate, again, being the governor of Judah, carried more responsibility than any other places. This was a uh, a position where, again, with his incompetence, he did bear a lot of responsibility. And always be careful, by the way, and this is not a, a, a slur, but w- whenever somebody gives position, make sure that it's, you don't set them up for failure. You want somebody to be able to handle the responsibilities that have been given out to them that they have there's more, more on their plate than they shouldn't have. We see this all the time with people who have no business in a position, and they end up just fumbling everything away because it's more than they can handle. Now, when we think about Pontius Pilate and who he was from history, we know that he was a stubborn man, he was tactless, and, and, he, and he thought because he had authority that meant he could enforce his will upon others. Rather than exercise responsibility and consideration for others. When we are given a position of leadership, by the way, again, it's it's not our chance to boss people around, but it's our chance to nurture and help people to, to mature in, in the jobs and the positions they may have in life. As a pastor, my job and responsibility is not to lord over God's heritage, but to uh, help the sheep of God's pastures to grow and to mature and to care for the flock that God has here as a as a under shepherd and so Pontius Pilate was not that way he was a man who was again who thought he could dictate and rule with an iron fist and and leaving him not to be a well like man we learn many things about Pontius Pilate from scripture uh, in Jerusalem there was a water supply that was always a problem and and pilate did construct a aqueduct channel to bring water into the city and and he thought by doing this this would benefit the jews and and really what he's doing is he's using this to get a hold of their money so he took some of the temple tax to pay for this aqueduct and the people rebelled and rioted and pilate sent his own people down in plain clothes with clubs and daggers into the crowd and they signaled and they turned on the people and clubbed them and stabbed them when this riot broke out. Again, it's a horrible situation. Many others were killed in a stampede that broke out as this riot began in Jerusalem. In, in Luke's gospel, it tells us there were, uh, in 13.1, just says this verse, which is kind of a, we don't have all the answers to it. It says, "...they were present at that season some that told them of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices." Now again, what exactly took place and, and, and what did Pontius Pilate do that these Jews were killed and their blood was mingled with the sacrifice? We, are not, we don't know all the details about that. But what God does tell us is that Pontius Pilate did do something where people were killed and, and, and murdered by the Roman authorities and, that, and in the temple area as they were offering sacrifice, and their blood was mingled with the animal sacrifices. Now, as we come to him, and we want to talk about him a little bit, when we see him in this chapter, when we see him in all all four Gospels, and, and we see him here, we see a man who is being pressured to do the will of the people. And although Jesus was innocent, according to Roman law, Pilate caved to political pressure. He abandoned what he knew to be right. Pilate knew that Christ was an innocent man. And on several occasions, he he stresses, I I find no fault in this man. I find no fault in this man. But political pressure from the Jews and from the Roman authorities uh, were weighing down upon him to go ahead and to crucify an innocent man. And Pilate made a decision that would please everyone and he thought would keep himself safe. So again, he's, he's doing what the people want him to do instead of doing what exactly is the right thing to do. Now, of course, we can argue here and there's theology involved here that Christ has to be crucified and Christ has to go to the cross and Christ has to die on Calvary's cross and we can weigh that out until the, until the Lord himself returns. But again, Pontius Pilate had free will and he can make a decision here on what he's going to do with this. And again, we can get into even to the weightier matter of this and uh, that God had a man that God knew would be a weak man and a, and a facilitating man who would do what the people want. So God had the right man in place to do what needed to be done at that point in time. But Pontius Pilate's going to go along with the crowd and do what the crowd wants him to do. And it's the tendency of people, the tendency of mankind, to to join in a majority. It's easy to go with the crowd. It's easy to do what everybody else is doing. It's easy to have what we call the mob mentality and go with what everybody else is screaming. We see this in the Book of Acts as they're screaming out, "Greatest Diana, Greatest Diana!" and people are just screaming out there, going with the mob. We can always see people following the mob. We witness riots in our country. For, for, for years we've had riots in our country and people just join a mob and, and, and march out and kill and destroy and maim and burn and loot and sometimes they have no idea even what they're involved in. They're just following a crowd. As long as there's people, you always have mobs and you always have riots. Satan seems to love those things. So again, he's a man who's supporting the majority, but again, the majority is has a great tendency to always be wrong always has a great tendency to be wrong in these areas it is possible for a person to speak in support of an issue merely to deceive others that he he supports it whereas he knows it's wrong I know this is wrong but he pretends to be for it politicians do that all the time because that's what the people want you think of the abortion issue I mean, how can you be for abortion? I mean, just thinking of it, it's not health care. By the way, they, you know, they, they, a year ago, in June, they made Roe v. Wade unlawful and got rid of it, And, and, uh, and so it's now a state's issue. And so states decide who, how abortion works. But they always told us that if we get rid of Roe v. Wade, that women will die. Remember hearing that? Women will die. I want you to know it's been a year now. Nobody has died. If there was, she would be on a billboard on the Jersey Turnpike and letting us know that this woman died because she did not have access to an abortion. And by the way, abortion is still out there. We live in a blue state. You can go down the street and get one any day of the week this is how it rolls. But they have restricted it in many other states. But the mob mentality and the crowd goes on. But a mob politician in his heart who once said, I believe abortion ought to be uh, you know, limited and, 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 and very small and, and, and very rare. Now those same politicians tell us, well, we, any time a woman wants one, just go out there and get it. Just go ahead. And Well what made them change? Well the mob, the crowd, made them change. they are constituents who are going to re-elect them, but they, in their heart of hearts, they really you know, I really don't think this is right, but I've I got to do what the people say. They're, they're just, just like Pontius Pilate. It's the same mentality. It's the same fecklessness. It's the same, they're not leaders. They're just, they're just go with the crowd and then jump out. Where's the crowd going so I know uh, which way to lead them? Mentality. It's it's difficult to stand against the tide of public opinion. But it's evil to imply to support a, uh, for a matter that you secretly oppose. That's that's cowardice, and that's not something. So what do we learn from Pontius Pilate? What do we see here with Pontius Pilate? If we notice here in chapter number 19, in verse number, uh, if you jump to that chapter, I'm sorry, go back to 18, I'm sorry, 18 in in John eighteen. He says, and Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him. What is truth? My friend, truth is our defense against all the arrows that Satan will fling at us, all the lies. Truth is not relative. I've said this a thousand times. I'll say it a thousand more. Truth is truth. You don't have your truth. I don't have my truth. There's just truth. You have opinions, but truth is truth. And nobody can say, well, this is how the truth affects me. This is how God's word affects me. That's a dangerous statement. Because what you're saying is this is how God's word affects me, but it's going to affect somebody else differently. God's word is God's word, and it's going to affect you. But it, 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 it's, it's, it's not one truth for him and then another truth for them. It's, it's not how it works. And what the world does not like is truth. That's what they, they'll, they'll kill you for out there. That's why they they'll burn the place down. I have a friend of mine who wants me to run for mayor. He's after me all the time, Matt, you've got to run for mayor. Matt, you, gotta, Matt, you can win. You can. I'm like, no, I can't. All they got to do is listen to a couple sermons, and and they'll hang me in this town. I cannot win mayor in this town. I don't want the job. It's a demotion uh, from what I have right now. But I have one friend who's after me, like, you got to, this town's horrible. The people, you, you got to run for mayor. I said, no, nah, I I won't step down. I got to. But again, all they, a few sermons there, and this was just, and they'll, they'll hang me as everything under the sun. He, anti-abortion, he's a homophobe. They'll give me all these, they'll throw all the names at you. And I'm not homophobic. I don't hate anybody. I'm not afraid of anybody. I'm not afraid of a snake, a spider. The only thing I'm afraid of is my wife. And, uh, and so we... Uh, <laughs> and so we got... Uh, a wise man, Amen, eh, Brother Keston? <laughs> you, you gotta sleep next to them. And, <laughs> and anyway... But it's all good. So understand, I don't hate anybody. But I don't like people's lifestyles that oppose the truth of God's word. And we speak out against this and and say so. Truth is what God, John the Baptist, his head cut off. Because he told uh, her there, it's not right for you to have your brother's wife. That's, That's adultery, that's sin, you can't have that. And so he got imprisoned and then the wicked women came along and had his head chopped off. So truth, my friend, is our defense. And Pilate, in his life, he had no truth. He had no foundation. He had no place to anchor his soul. He had no uh, guardrails to to direct him and to and to to mark his path out for him. Truth is what protects us. Truth is what guides us. Truth is what keeps us safe. And, and we and we guided by the truth of God's word. And since Pilate had no truth and he questions what is truth and truth is whatever it was convenient for him for the day. And the thing we learn from Pontius Pilate and what we see with Pontius Pilate is a man who caved into what we call peer pressure. And we think peer pressure is just for teenagers. You know, be careful of your friends. And Well, it's not. Every single one of us, as we go through life, we are surrounded by our peers from our workplace to the school to, to, to our neighbors, we all have this thing if we don't conform to what everybody else is doing. There was a day in time, by the way, when Christians were called nonconformists <laughs> because we just wouldn't go along with everybody else. Why are you, why, why are you not conforming? Why aren't you doing... Because it, it, it opposes the Word of God. I like what the old preacher used to say. Is that people used to ask him, why do you keep rubbing the, the, the cat's fur the wrong way? He said, because the cat's going in the wrong direction. That's why. Turn the cat around. I'm not turning around. Turn the cat around. And we keep stroking the world's fur the wrong way, and they keep getting upset. Well, my friend, the world's because the world's going in the wrong direction. But we are, we will be inundated to, to follow the world. We could be, go even in Christianity, You you you, you people down there, I had one guy tell me, you know, it's, it's you King James people that are the problem. Another pastor in town told me that it's you King James people are the problem. It's like, dude, I just met you five minutes ago. And here you are trying to, you're banging me over the head. Well, if I'm the problem, then I guess I'm the problem. But I, I'm, gonna, I'm not getting rid of my King James Bible for a Bible that changes or eliminates words. I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm sticking with this. Is, this is the one that brought me. This is the one that's going to take me. I'm not getting rid of it. But I'm, I'm the problem. Well, maybe I am the problem because I'm just sticking with my Bible. But, but there is pressure. To, you know, you've got to go along and do what everybody else is doing. No, we're not. We're not. Look in Galatians. Now, we're, we're, we're kind of done with Pontius Pilate. But, but, so I'm, we're going to go for the next few minutes here on this idea of peer pressure and see what God warns us about from the truth that we find in Scripture. Because, again, we're all susceptible to peer pressure. We'll all face it. again, many places you'll go to, you're going to conform to what we do here. Now, in Galatians chapter number 1, I want you to see, again, we're going to look at a lot of verses here very quickly in in, in a span of a few moments. You say a few moments, Pastor. you out of your mind? Well, we, we got a few moments. And a few moments is relative, by the way. Truth is not, but a few moments... That's that's relative. Now, verse number 10, Paul is writing to the churches in in the area of Galatia. He says, 1.10, For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. The Apostle Paul, in writing here, is, is warning the Galatians, Listen, I didn't come here to make everybody happy. I didn't come here so that everybody could like me. I didn't come here so that I can go along and do what everybody else is doing. I came here to be a servant of God and to please God. And I've learned that when I please God and do what God wants me to do, there's going to be a whole lot of people angry and upset with me because I'm just doing what God told me to do. And so we don't want to please men. And the, and, and the problem with Pontius Pilate is he was a men pleaser, he was a pure politician. It's interesting that God, back to back, gives us the religious leaders of Annas and Caiaphas, and then he gives us the, 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 the sixth man there, who is a politician. And we find with all of these people, as they're all uh, people pleasers, and they're all uh, lost, godless individuals. But Scripture is our guide. We follow what the Lord tells us to do. I remember years ago, I was at my in-law's house down in Georgia, and my sister-in-law, she wanted to, uh, wanted to go somewhere. And, uh, and my father-in-law told her, no, you're not going. And she said, Dad, everybody else is going. And he said, no, they're not. She goes, what do you mean? He goes, everybody's not going because you're not going. Therefore, everybody's not going. I said, I've got to write that down. That's, that's good. I'm going to use that one day. <laughs> that's good. Everybody's, everybody's not doing it. And my friend, everybody may be doing a lot of crazy out there, but we're not doing it. Well, the other churches, pay. I know what the other churches are doing, but that's, that, that's those, those churches. This is our church. This is how we're doing things here. We want to please God. And I'm not saying they're not pleasing God, but I'm, as I read Scripture, and, and I try to, I'm trying to follow this real closely. I'm trying to do what God wants us to do. Scripture is to be our guide. And Paul warns them about this. Look, if you will, at Psalm Chapter number nineteen, the book of Psalms. Even the Psalmist warns us about this idea of peer pressure and giving in to what the world tells us to do. You know, everybody's doing it. I remember when I surrendered my life to the Lord. I was January of nineteen eighty-two. You heard this before, but I remember going out with my friends, and it was a weekend. They're like, "Matt, we're all going to get some beer, and we're going to get somebody and get some alcohol, and and uh, what do you want?" I said, I'm not drinking. What do you mean, not not tonight? I said, no, never. What do you mean you're never going to drink? I said, I don't drink. I'm not going to drink anymore. God convicted me about that, and and I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. Not even a beer? It's got alcohol in it? Yes, I'm not drinking it. And my friend looked at me and said, Matt, you mean to tell me that for the rest of your life, you're never ever going to have a drink of alcohol? Now I thought about that for a minute, and I never—I I, I never looked that far down the road. I said, "18," I said, "Yeah, I'm not." And that was a long time ago. 18 was like 20 years ago. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> listen, I'm, a, I'm This is my mind. I'm thinking the 19. When somebody says the 1980s. I'm thinking oh, like 10 years ago. Amen. I said, what? <laughs> it's like what in the world? <laughs> it's going fast, folks. Even the 90s, I was a 90s kid. I was like, the 90s, just like, wait a minute, that's all my soul. But anyway, I said, no, I'm never going to have a drink of alcohol. I'm just not going to do it. By the grace of God, we haven't. I haven't missed it, by the way. haven't missed it. But the pressure, you are going to do what everybody else does. You're going to act every way everybody else acts. You're going to do the things everybody else does. No, I'm not. We're going to be a nonconformist. In Psalm chapter number 19, in verse number 7, we see here about our Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect. My friend, you've got a perfect Bible in your lap. Don't throw it away for something imperfect. Converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Making wise the simple. You want wisdom, my friend? Just put the Bible in you. Put the scriptures in you. I know there's a lot of things we need to learn in life, but make sure you put a lot of Bible in you. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them as thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. What a pow- There's a thousand sermons in these few verses right here. But here we see that God is telling us that scripture is to be our guide. Your Bible that you hold in your lap is to be your guide and, director. and it's more important than ever winning any Powerball or having anything else in life is having your Bible and living your Bible and applying your Bible to your life. When people young people ask me, as a young man, Matt, why aren't you doing this? Because the Bible says I shouldn't be doing that. Matt, why aren't you going out with this one? Because the Bible says I shouldn't be going out with that one. Matt, why aren't you acting this way? Because the Bible says I shouldn't be acting that way or conducting myself or, or getting involved in that activity because God told me not to do those things. My one friend you take that Bible awfully serious, don't you said it's the word of God it's going to Make this simple man wise. And it's going to protect me. And my friend, has protected me from a lot of things, a lot of dangers, and a lot of mistakes, and a lot of heartaches. I'm not a, I'm not a smart man. I'm not a smart man. But I'm, I, I love my Bible, amen? And, and, I, and I've applied the, the Scriptures to it. Don't have peer pressure take your Bible away from you and have you do things that you should not be doing. Be careful with that. Watch out for that. Go back, if you will, to first, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Young people, listen to your preacher, listen to your Bible. Don't listen to the world. Don't do what the world tells you to do because it's going to drag you off a cliff. In Second Timothy chapter number 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, we know these verses. We know Timothy. I, I love Timothy. I love the study of the man Timothy. What a great man he was. He was a, uh, I, I like him because he, he was not perfect. He was, had his insecurities, he had his illnesses, he, he had his uh, things he struggled with in life. You know, he, he had a lot of issues, but he loved God and was God's man, and, was God's, and God used him to pastor and do a lot of great things. Don't ever think you can't do something because your, your health isn't there or your family status isn't there or or a, a whole lot of other things. Timothy had to deal with being a, a man who was accused of being a, a mixed breed, half Jew, half Gentile. He had to deal with that that bigoted garbage. He had health issues. He had a lot of things that people say, you know what, but God loved him and God used him. And Timothy had one thing that guided his path that kept the peer pressure away from him. He says in verse number 15, as Paul writes to his favorite servant, and favorite man that he loved dearly. It's amazing the love that Paul had for Timothy. You read this, this, this book. It's this one of my favorite books, Second Timothy, and how this man, Paul, writes as a father to a son and encouraging him, warning him, instructing him. And just You can feel the love pouring through the words. Verse 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. My friend, if we want to have a good Christian life, how do we do it? We do it by applying the scriptures and the scriptural truths we see. That the man of God may be, again, perfect. That word perfect means mature. And we all want to go on to maturity. We all want to be a better Christian, than we were. how do we do that? We do it through the Word of God. God breathed out this book. God gave us this book. This is a special book that is unlike any other book. This book's not going anywhere. It's been banned. It's been burned. It's been destroyed. It's been blacklisted. My friend, the Bible will always be here. It will always be around. They'll never get rid of the Word of God. I don't remember communist regimes and fascist regimes are out there. This book will always be here, and somebody will always have a copy of it. It's not going anywhere. It's the eternal Word of God. And no book is this old, has, been, has, has read this much, and has been around this long. No book can compare it to this book, because there's no other book like this book. Which means I must learn from the mind of Almighty God. Oh, listen to this bunch that says there is no God. Explain this book to me then. Explain this book and why it's here. I was chuckled this past week. I read two Richard Dawkins, a ardent atheist scientist. And then you got Neil deGrasse Tyson, another ardent atheist, and they both mock God. They both uh, laugh at God. They both mock Christians and, and malign Christians. And, but Richard Dawkins got in trouble because he said that uh, transgenderism is not possible. XY chromosomes and XX chromosomes cannot change It's not possible for a person And so the whole entire sodomite community Wants to take Richard Dawkins, whom they once loved <laughs> They once loved him because he hated us They want to take him and throw him off a bridge Because he said it's not possible Then Neil deGrasse Tyson over here Another historian who's supposed to be a scientist Who's really nothing more than a, than a whore Because he, he just works for the money And does whatever the crowd wants him to do and he, uh, he said, well, it is possible, You know, they got X, Y, it's all whatever you want in your mind. If you want to wake up one day and be whatever, that's possible. And so they all love him now. So you got these two scientists, both, they're all whacked out out there, my friend. Just stay with this book. <laughs> stay with this book. It'll keep you straight in, a, in an absolutely insane world. It's insane. This way the man of God is perfect and you won't face the peer pressure. you got to use my pronouns. Nut and whack job are not pronouns, okay? It's if it's, you're, you're, you're a he or you're a she and that's all there is, all right? Pronouns. <laughs> Look at Proverbs chapter number one. Proverbs chapter number one. By the way, these... these Pronoun people are having trouble getting hired Because they're looking at The employer looks at this and says Okay, he slash he, she No, no we don't want this guy in the office Because they're problems <laughs> They're problems And they just they jump over you And they look at your Facebook page And your social media pages And they're like, we don't want this nut We don't need these issues in the office Because that's all the people are, they're problems Don't use their pronouns and watch them melt down by the way, when the, when the communists do climb over the wall and take this place over, that's the first bunch they're getting rid of. I just, I'm, not, I'm not that serious. That's the first bunch they're going after. The guy who's reading books dressed up like a drag queen the children, they're going after him. Then they're gonna come after us. But they're going after that bunch first. Just letting you know. Proverbs chapter number one, verse number seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. We can say of Pontius Pilate, he didn't fear God, so he had no knowledge. He had no wisdom. He had nothing to instruct him in his life. He had no moorings. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy thy head and chains about thy neck. Verse ten. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. That means if somebody tells you to do something bad, don't do it. Don't do it. And how many people have listened to their friends, coworkers, neighbors, and ended up in a place they never thought they'd end up? Be careful of people who entice you. My friend, if something inside you says this doesn't feel right, this seems wrong, it generally usually is. It usually is. Be careful. And he goes on in, the, in, in, in verses 10 through 19, talking about how the sinner, the evil person, will entice somebody to go off into doing something sinful. I can tell you a story here this morning, which I, I will not, about some friends I knew back in high school and I had a friend who was my good friend, Scott. And, uh, and, and Scott liked to hang around with this other kid, John, and I did not like hanging around John because John was trouble with a capital T. John was, we did some crazy things, but John just took this to a whole nother spectrum. John did illegal things and bad things, and, 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 and we got arrested one night because of John, and a story which, 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 which we should never tell you about. But my friend, because John was bad. And I don't know where John ended up. But my friend Scott loved to listen to John. Let's do, John, no, I don't want to hang out with, with John. He's bad. It's just, he just does bad things. And there's something wrong with him. I don't want to be there with, with him. And he was never part of our little group. But my friend Scott loved to hang out. He thought that would be exciting. No, we're going we're gonna to go to jail. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Don't give him to peer pressure, don't give him to the crowd. Look at Proverbs chapter number 4. Proverbs chapter number 4. In Proverbs chapter number 4 and verse number 14, we read these verses of Scripture. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not into the way of the evil man. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. God is very clear here in these scriptures and what he's warning us about uh, avoiding people who will tell us to do things that are not right. Pontius Pilate should have read these scriptures. you got these people around you telling you to do something. Avoid these people. Get rid of these people. But he did not. And Pontius Pilate, we remember, went over to that wash basin, dipped his hands in the wash basin and said, I am now free from the blood of this man. And I want you to understand something. That water in that basin did not wash one ounce of innocent blood off of Pilate's hand. He was guilty, he's still guilty, and he's still in hell awaiting judgment because he crucified innocent blood. Be careful, though. Scripture is filled with people who learn to avoid the, 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 and, and, and stay clear of peer pressure and, and avoid the evil people. And we see example after example of people who followed and, and gave in to peer pressure and how their lives were ruined. We have all these examples. It's up to us to do what we're going to do. Again, you, a guy at work can face a lot of pressure to do a lot of things. A, a woman at work can be, face a lot of pressure to do a lot of things. And kids in school nobody in school wants to be known as the the, the kid who's who's not going along and doing what everybody else is doing. It it takes a lot for a young person to stand up against that crowd. But the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the the renewing of your mind. That means to have your mind renewed by scriptures. I'm not doing it because God says it's wrong. End of story. And so what do we learn from Pontius Pilate? What do we see from this man? We learn from a man who gave really into what amounted to peer pressure. Who just did what the crowd wanted to do. He is the worst of the politicians. And we have so many like him today. But he is that evil politician. the, the, The no good leader. The feckless leader. And just as we have the rotten religious leaders in Annas and Caiaphas... We see this with this political leader here. A man who just did what the crowd told him to do, whatever he thought was convenient, and whatever would be popular for the day. And be careful with that. What's popular today will not be popular tomorrow. I got a picture of me wearing plaid pants. It was 1975. Anybody, come on. Tony, you have a picture back there, Joe. Come on, come on now. Blad pants. Nobody blinked an eye. You walk down Carnegie after day, they're gonna blink. They're probably not either. They're no nuts out there too. But that's <laughs> you walk in the church. We like, dude. Uh, Greg Brady called. He wants his pants back. All right. You need to. <laughs> My mom was upset in second grade. I got stabbed in second grade. <laughs> Sitting there in class, a kid. I mean, this kid didn't get along. Second grade, but he had a knife in, in school. You can have one back then, and you can stab your kid next to you. And uh, and me and him didn't get along. And he took out his knife and he threatened to stab me. I said, "Go ahead." And, I, and he reached over and he slashed my slashed slashed my calf right here, cut into me. And I'm sitting there bleeding. I'm like, Ms. Miss Dolan, you, put your hand down and shut up for me." Uh, Miss Dawson, I'm sorry, Miss Dawson. She was a piece of work. <laughs> I see these teachers stay like 20 years old teaching. My teachers like should have retired with, with with Washington, but they just they just they just they just they just, they just stayed there forever. I'm sitting there bleeding. and finally you know the whole thing. But my mom was more upset because those were my brand new plaid pants. I was my mom. Your brand new pants. I said, like, Mom, I'm bleeding here. But she was. Like, we well, just cut them make shorts out of them. That's what you did back then, man. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, uh, me and the old people are talking here now. Everybody just just hang with us here. But we go with the flow. We do whatever it was normal to wear those plaid pants back then. Wear bell bottoms back then. Your pants flared out at the bottom. Hey ladies, why don't you go back and break out the, the hairspray and come in tonight looking like a you know like the peacock, amen? <laughs> we got some pictures here of some of the ladies like that. We gotta have a ladies send your pictures for the newsletter, you know the 80s hairstyle look. You, you there's a reason we got global warming and, and no ozone or something because all oh, that hairspray. I don't believe that by the way, but just, just joking. <laughs> Anyhow, we did it because that's what the crowd told us to do. And again, I'm not not against fashion, but there's some things we draw a line and say, no, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. So again, enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of the evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. My friend, we see verse after verse God warning us to stay right and do right and 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 listen to him and god will take care of us there's a blessing at the end of it for the at the end of the day let's stand together for prayer father in heaven we thank you for your word thank you for your goodness and mercy we thank you for jesus who loved us and i ask now god that you'll encourage us through your word and lord help us not to be a pilot not to go with the crowd lord be willing to stand out and Go in the opposite direction because, Lord, we're following you and obeying your word. Help our young people to to apply these truths that are alive. When they grow older, they will not have heartaches and regrets and sorrows that will weigh upon their mind in in the midnight hour. Bless now, we pray in Jesus' name.